Hey, all over to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and today I am with Jeff Haas, talking about the end of all permanence. How are you doing, Jeff? Doing very well. How about yourself? Doing good. We've had Jeff on the show before, talking about Malak, Raining Devil. Uh, we also know him from Traversing the Stars. Uh, we'll talk about both those a little bit later on, but first... Can you break down what is the end of all Terminus? I will point out, I think that Malik interview was the first time I ever did an interview as the guest on a show before. So I think you were, I think, I think you were the first one I had. <laughs> well, broke welcome my, back. <laughs> you broke my interview cherry. As there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the end of all Terminus is a sci-fi apocalyptic epic uh, story about the last seven species in the universe. Um, trying to escape the big rip, which is tearing the universe apart, atom by atom, and they're trying to escape through the past the boundaries of our universe before they're destroyed with the rest of the universe. Okay, so it's like the last seven, like I said, and um, they're they're stuck on this one ship called the Terminus, which is about two hundred fifty thousand crew, and by the end, there's going to be between eight to twelve left. Oh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm um, immediately I've seen a few of the different races that we have on here, and you could tell it's like. Okay, these guys gave off real war clan vibes. Yeah. <laughs> these guys look like they might be too noble for their own good in this case. So uh it should it should be chaotic on the ship. Do they know that this plan's gonna work to get out of the universe? Um there's there's a question if there actually is a boundary to the universe as as we are with our own physics. This yeah. question is does the universe have a boundary or is it infinite? Mm-hmm. They don't entirely know for certain. The humans had done some math and they believe there is a boundary. Um, as the link points out, which is the, the race of kind of like a computer intelligent, uh, race, like a collective mind race, they point out that the math of humans is potentially extremely inaccurate, but at the same time, desperation, if there is no boundary, you're dead anyway. So you might as well give it a go. Yeah. So this is all on a fingers crossed that there is actually a boundary to this all and they can get out. I love that. So just the tensions are rising and you don't even know if you're on the solution or not. You know, that's, oh, that's going to be good. Yeah. All these species are, they're not, they're definitely not friends. Each one believes that their species is on some, in some way because of what they are superior, mm-hmm. more knowledgeable and should be the ones who are allowed to survive this whole Holocaust, uh, well, uh, universal Holocaust that's about to occur. Yeah. Um, but like I said, they're, they're not friends. They're definitely, um, those, Philosophically opposed to one another, and they're basically just using each other as convenience to get out. But the, each one, any group would be almost more than happy to see the others fall because they're almost indifferent to the survival of all of the others. But they're forced to work together because the terminus is the only way out. Yeah. Now this is, sounds like a classic sci-fi story. You got the stakes so high. What other sci-fi did you watch growing up, or something like that, that might have uh, kind of inspired you to make this story? Well, it's definitely some inspiration from Star Trek. Um, yeah. I tell people that the Gadakians are definitely um, a, the, the trope for uh, the trope is based on the Klingons. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to just admit it straight up. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not 100. I mean, there's obviously some different there's differences, things of that nature, but the basic concept is definitely Klingons. The Link, there's a, a Skynet kind of Borgish aspect to them, and once again, that's the Star Trek thing right there. Um, the Lorelians, they're I'm ends. getting so, ent vibes off ends, of them. They're, they're, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, there's an end vibe to them most, most certainly. And, you know, once again, what can I say? Um, the Acolytes <laughs> of DeVoe, they're space Catholics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. The Zealots um, of the ship. <laughs> um, yes. 
uh, those Rockians is basically just a, the, the basic idea of, 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 of clones. Um, I know I got that from somewhere, but I can't remember exactly from where. Um, the Paragon, I can't tell you who they are without giving away what they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely, uh, like I said, Star Trek vibes, Terminator vibes. Um, I'm sure there's other um, apocalyptic stories that I kind of borrow from. There's a Noah Ark aspect to it as well. There is, yeah, definitely. But, but like all good stories, I ripped off what I liked. And I made it mine. Yeah. Which, every great writer is, is a ripoff artist of someone better. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? And you add your own flavor to it. And that's the best part. What, exactly. What do you think the story, like, what is the moral, morals of this story? There's always something that we're trying to explain through sci-fi. What do you think you're trying to get across? Like working together or something better? <laughs> something better. Um, basically, what you're going to find out, one of the major questions of, of, the, of the story is going to be, the idea of survival and a little bit on, on some level as well, which is the meaning of life, which is a big question. What is the point of all of this? If you exist in a universe and your stuff is dying, what is, was the purpose then of you and yours and your species in, in the big scheme of things? Dang, yeah. The story is going to explore that. And I have an answer for you at the end, oh, nice. uh, which I, I can't give away, but this, there is the ending story is already um, kind of planned out of what's going to happen. Um, some of the, not, not all the survivors. Um, I know who some of them are going to be, but I'm leaving some of it up to the story to kind of lend me there and which characters I'm going to fall in love with and stuff like that. And the question too is, what holds us back as a, as a, as a species as well? Which is some of these uh, species. There's a reason why some of them are not going to be survivors. Mm -hmm. um, there's be a reason why they they're either due to their own selfishness, aggressions, um, due to their own. Um, uh, short thinking are going to fall by the wayside or, or at least a majority of them will. So there's yeah. a question of what is the point of it all? What's there? And there also will be some questions also from a religious standpoint as well. You know, is there a God? If there is, why, how can something like this happen? What is the purpose of this, our existence by uh, a, a being like that if it's all going to be taken away anyway? And the story is going to approach that as an answer. And on some level, I hope when you get to the end, eventually, um, people look at it and go, all right, that's interesting. I mean, I think some are going to be like, bastard. Um, <laughs> you know, some of them are, some people are going to hopefully at the very least will think to themselves, interesting. That's an interesting yeah. um, way to go. I didn't see that coming. And, you know, that's kind of what I'm going for. And it's going to be, the ending is going to be the surprise that's going to last to the last few pages. Okay. So basically, guys, go to the links in the description and figure out the meaning of life is. That's that's what I'm hearing from you right now. So make sure everybody's clicking around. Uh, we'll talk about all this. There's like a notification page. You guys got to get on board with all of this. Um, it sounds like each of these alien races, much like Star Trek, kind of represent a way of thinking. Like we have like, yes, you know, Vulcans are way too logical sometimes. So we're getting that with these. Um, is there anybody, if you were to pick one of these races as a favorite, do you have one? I got a, I got a, I got a few. Uh, I really love to get the get Adakians. Uh, they're they're the Klingons, as it were. Yeah. Uh, I think they're great characters. Uh, at least Thraxis is kind of I think is going to be the breakout character. He's badass. Um, more of a deep deeper thinker than you would look you would think looking at him because he looks kind of brutish, but he's he's, he's smarter than you would think. Uh, um, I think the acolytes of Devoe are going to be the characters everyone hates, and I think that's fantastic. I hope I get someone to really just one of them all to die and watch them die. <laughs> uh, if, if, if that happens, I know I did my job with them. 
Um, the link just looks badass. The Loralians, I think, are going to be likable. Are going to be likable species because of just their personality. They're a little more laid back, a little more passive, a little more just yeah. like wise uh, thinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I think everyone should find some group that they're like. They're, that's interesting. I like those guys, and yeah. and I hope when you think that those are the ones I kill off too, and I and I think that hopefully will piss you off a little bit. <laughs> yeah, the emotions have to be on a roller coaster. Why are you reading that? The devote, you love to hate them. That's the whole point of them. I like that. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> they're 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 so devout and they're so assured. They're so self assured of their belief systems that I, I part of me just thinks, you know, it's something bad. That. Yeah, this can't go well. <laughs> no one should be ever that sure of anything. Also, when they're so sure of something, that's such a great time to like show corruption. So you have all kinds of avenues that you can really toy with that, you know, and it's that's gonna be fun to see. Mm. Uh, I do want to talk about some of your other work because, you know, you you represent so many indie creators and the fact that you have your own comic and stuff like that, too, is is just really cool. What do you think is something there's got to be something special there with indie creators? What do you think is something special about indie comic book writers over like DC or Marvel? Um, That's a good question. What what is about them? Um, Blind idealism. That's the belief that you can take your own bunny with your own idea, put it on paper, throw it out there, and that you're going to convince people to want to buy it in enough of level to make your money and have your and you know and so and put out your idea like that. That is so optimistic. You know, it, it's such a hard thing to do. The industry is crushing, and the fact that so many of us truly believe that we can do it and our idea is worth doing, I, I applaud every new creator. I mean, it's ballsy you know and everyone to have that kind of passion to do it and do it and believe you can do it i applaud every single one of them yeah is that something that you find when you're working with them their passion is is something that you're catching because you work with a lot of indie creators probably more than even i do, I do. <laughs> uh, is that something that you see from all of them that they all have kind of this like level of passion everyone yeah everyone i think believes so strongly in their concept everyone believes that their story is special and you know, and in many ways that it, it is that they are. Um, and I, I just like watching them build and then become, and then reach success. And man, there's nothing, I don't think there's any more greater moment of joy that a lot of people have than when their comic book like fully funds and, and then they go beyond their funding and really start making some real cash on it. It is, it, it's, 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 nice, it's great to see. And you know, that as much as the money is good, you know, they like that. They just know in their hearts, though, that this many people are going to read their story. And that's, I think, is where the, the real money is. And, I, and I, it's yeah. fun to watch. Yeah. It's, you know, we see so many success stories and those are so fun to celebrate. How, what do you tell somebody who hasn't reached that success story yet and are thinking about maybe this is it? All right, um, I, I, I will say so far, none of my clients have had that problem. Every client I've had has broken their goals That's by wonderful. a similar amount. Um, I, I don't think anyone has come in within less than $1,000 of their goal. I mean, uh, more than uh, within of their goal. I mean, if someone had like a $4,000 goal, I think the worst I've ever seen is someone hit like 5000 something like that. I mean, yeah. everyone does it that, that, that I've had. But I mean, it happens. Um, hopefully not to me. Um, please pledge. No, anyways. Um, <laughs> It, it, it's it's hard, and I and I imagine that's going to be devastating. Um, there's a fear that every creator has who goes on Kickstarter. The fear that I still have. I mean, I'm a publicist. I've been doing this now for a couple of years. But at the same time, yeah, I'm sweating it. I'm sweating every day. I'm checking my follower count, and I'm sweating it. Um, best thing to say is there's always a tomorrow. Um, try again. 
uh, put it out there. Try another uh, crowdfund. If you um, didn't make it on Kickstarter, try Zoop. If you didn't make it on Zoop, I guess you can try Indiegogo um, or try Kickstarter again. I mean, yeah. um, spend a few more, um, a year maybe, hanging around the community a little bit more, try to build up um, some more uh, some more street cred in, in the industry and put it out again. Uh, don't quit. The nice thing about Kickstarter is that Kickstarter itself doesn't cost you any. Mm-hmm. Um, Kickstarter is free to try. And the worst thing that can happen is that you fail. And yeah. it, 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 it's going to suck. The feeling's going to suck. But there's so many reasons why your product could have failed. It could have failed because timing could have failed because you didn't get the word out there fast, uh, uh, loud enough. It could have failed because for whatever reason you sold it like A and people thought it was B and it just didn't make it. But it doesn't necessarily mean the product itself is a failure. You might just have to rethink about, rethink how you want to promote your that story might be to change how your Kickstarter looks. I mean, it could be any number of things. The yeah. the, the number, uh, there's probably an, uh, a finite number of reasons why it was successful and an infinite number of why it could have failed. And, you know, don't don't get bogged down by the failure. It, it's going to happen. I mean, I'm a, I'm a publicist and it could I mean my own project could fail. And I am a professional promoter. Yeah. You know what? Fuck it. A year from now, I'm going to try again. Do you often find yourself as a publicist helping somebody tweak their Kickstarter to find the more success successful way, or are you just trying to echo what they've already have? Um, there's definitely times where I'll, I'll talk to them and be like, Hey, um, you thought about this reward. Have you thought about promoting it this way? Um, you know, I might give some suggestions about how things are set up. That's definitely something I do. A lot of what I do as well is code is just kind of coach them through the lull. Every lot of Kickstarters have that lull yes. where you're not making <laughs> any money. And that's so crushing. And I try to just try to coach them, you know, this is expected. This could last five days, could last six days. It's going to um, work as well, you know, way out. All you need is a couple of um, pledgers here and there, um, and you'll get back on track. Keep in mind the last 48 hours where a lot of the money comes in. Yeah. And, and it's kind of one of your jobs as a publisher is just to be your, the cheerleader. And that's one of the, that's one of the best things, reasons why somebody will pay you is sit in their corner like like a like a boxing coach, you know, the guy during the boxing match and the guy's getting their ass kicked and they're all bruised up and banged yeah. up. And you take them in the corner, like, no, you got this, you know, just hang in there. You just gotta go through this many more rounds. You got this. And sometimes that's all you need to keep on pushing. And it helps to have someone else on your side who at the very is buying into what you're doing as well. So yeah. yeah. That's such a you have such a great point there. We talked to a lot of indie creators where you know, that first couple weeks or a couple days even is just, oh, it's so much excitement that all of a sudden you're almost afraid to mention anything because then you remind people that they're pledged. And then, yeah. boy, those last 48 hours, it's like push, push, push. You see the community come up from the ground up and just say, hey, guys, come check this project out real quick. They only got a couple more days. And it's that's the most exciting part of being involved around Kickstarter people is those last couple of days. It's just all fire it, and electric. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's such an emotional road. Like, when people say that after a Kickstarter, they, they need to take a break for a little while. They're dead yeah. serious. Yeah. Not only, like I said, the lull is brutal, and even worse than the lull, the the D pledge. Yeah. And yeah. every <laughs> campaign has some people who take their money out at the last couple of days. I don't know why they do it, but they always do it. There's always somebody who puts in like eighty dollars for a pledge. You're like, oh yeah, and then the last couple of days they yank it away, and you know, there's that moment of you know that because they're only already feeling kind of crappy because they haven't made money maybe in a day or two. Then yeah. you get fall behind where you were. It, it, it's an emotional roller coaster. I mean, 
it, it, it it's physically draining. I, I would I, I would say. Yeah, I, I have seen one time where we lost a stretch goal because of that. It's like, oh no, that's the worst feeling, you know. Yeah. But um, what are you gonna do? That's that's the game. You just gotta keep pushing it. How important are those? Because notifications, I'm, I'm seeing now, are becoming bigger and bigger. The basically pre-launch notification phase. Are you seeing that becoming more and more impactful for Kickstarter? Um, for everything I know is that the algorithms are affected by that a lot. Um, that's one of the reasons that's part of the, the stress when I tell listeners to notify. What I mean is I'm not asking anyone to buy a goddamn thing. Yeah. Don't buy a reward. I don't, don't. If you don't want to, don't. Right. Click that notify because it, the algorithms will help you. You'll get more visibility. And the, the key is too. Success builds success. Notifiers build notifiers. The bigger the number, the more people are going to click on it because everyone wants to be part of the thing, the yeah. end thing. So by you clicking it, even if you don't plan on ever buying anything, you are helping that creator find other people who will. Exactly. So do them the favor, click notify, help them out. And what you'll find is that, you know, and not only that, but it, but the creator is inherently, even though they don't know necessarily who you are, you know, even if you want to be like, hey, notify, fantastic. They'll appreciate the fact that you did that. Yeah. Guys, Jeff knows so much about helping indie creators and Kickstarter. I, I, in the links below, you're going to find his Twitter. Make sure you follow him. One of my favorite things when I follow your Twitter account is the random interviews you do with some of the coolest Star Trek people or amazing people, part of Traversing the Stars. Tell us some of your, so tell us, not your favorite guests. I'm not about to do that to you. Tell us about some of the guests you've had on your show. All right. Uh, I've had Arm, Armin Sherman, uh, Quark from Space Nine twice. Um, I had Will Whedon on. I've had Thomas Jane on. Um, I've had David Hewlett on. I've had Peter Macon from the Orville on. Oh, man. Um, I just had Arnold Boslu from the who played the Mummy in the Mummy. Um, he was on. Jorge Garcia from Lost was on just recently. Karen Allen from Anna Jones of Raiders of the Lost Ark was on. Um, later in this month, I had two big names coming from from Star Trek Picard that I'm very excited about seeing. Um, I have um, Alex Proyas coming on tomorrow. He's the director of The Crow in Dark City. Nice. Um, I have uh, Nicholas Meyer coming up, director of Wrath of Khan coming up in a, uh, later in the week. Um, yeah, there's it, it, always, always something there I'm very excited about. Uh, Melissa Navia from uh, uh, Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds. Chris yeah. Horak from Strange New Worlds. William Sadler, who plays uh, Death in uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I've, I've had, I've, I've had a, a, a good grouping. Oh God! I, I, I just, the name drops. It's just so fun. <laughs> I want to be like outside your window while you're interviewing, just watching you, Jeff. <laughs> I mean, they're fun. I mean, like, oh, Robert Picardo as well, who played the Doctor in Star Trek Voyager. Was, I, was, was, I, was you told cool me that one. story about the time you got a call from him, and he's yes. like, "Hey, it's, it's Robert." You're like, oh God, what I do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so cool. It was, it was cool. And I said he came back on when it was on a different podcast. Came back on for the person of the stars. Cool. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's pretty cool when you when you have someone that you've been watching on TV and you're and you get to uh, give a chat on that with them and. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, and then they, or even you know, then they talk to them on social media. It every so often you you feel much cooler than you are when you <laughs> some of these happen. <laughs> Isn't it pretty amazing? Uh, how often do you guys put out an episode over at First Season Stars? Um, the goal is uh, uh three a week. Three a week. Dang, I think we do pretty good, and <laughs> that's <laughs> that. The three a week is tough with all these different interviews. That is amazing. Um, so we're gonna have a link to that as well in the description. And then we also have Malik Raining Devil. I'm not gonna not gonna tease too much because this is off into the distance. But where can they pick up old copies? We've already shared the story, but I want to make sure people check out this wonderful artwork in this comic book. It's so crazy good. Yeah, uh, Malik Raining Devil. The uh, first two issues are, are already out. 
mm-hmm. um, is through One Two Three Go um, Publishing. I can't remember the name the name of the website that actually does it, but it, uh, you can get them for like a, a buck or two on on the website. Um, they're not. It's not Comicsology. I I'm you're, I'm just like I can't actually remember the name I'll, of that I, website. I linked it in Phoebe Xavier's thing. I'll make sure to link it in this one too. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. So um, yeah, issue three is is halfway done right now. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I made life hard on uh, Phoebe and One Two Three Go because I made it a thirty six page uh, comic book. So it's taking <laughs> a little longer to put out that one. Yeah. Uh, the fourth issue is already written, and the fifth issue is being plotted actually as we speak. Um, so there's going to be a total of six issues of Malik Running Devil when all is said and done. Oh, I'm excited for that. That's cool. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pick up a couple more copies and start passing them around. I gotta. I think I gotta get my friends reading these, so I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a few copies <laughs> and get them uh, in their hands. Uh, okay, let's return back to the end of all terminus. The Indeed. story that's gonna tell us the meaning of life. Uh, the artwork for this thing is gorgeous. Again, these all these different races. Not only do they look unique, but you could tell that within there something that I think sci-fi doesn't nail so much. Each person is different within the yep. races. Uh, did you do the artwork, or did you have somebody else do the artwork for you? Oh, the the artist is Brad Ship. He's okay. an amazing artist. Um, he's basically I thought the the initial uh, issues are going to be, uh, be gray toned, uh, so it's black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, though if we hit three thousand dollars, I'm probably it looks like we're going to be doing color as a stretch goal. Mm-hmm. So three thousand dollars is the goal. But yeah, Brad Ship does an excellent job. His his um, pencils or inks are fantastic, and right now he's killing it. So. Um, Credit for him. <laughs> Did he design the ship itself? Because that thing looks gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and I will say as a stretch goal, I mean, not a stretch goal, sorry. Uh, as a reward, he is making, and this is, uh, this has already been agreed upon. He's already started. I've seen what it looks like, a 3D printing of the ship. You can oh, buy the ship wow. as, a re- as, as a reward and have it in your hands about six to eight inches in, in length. And um, yeah, you can uh, buy the ship. <laughs> that thing looks so cool. I mean, the the back end of it is all engines. It just looks like it's hauling ass away from this the, the falling apart universe. It's so cool looking. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you, when we spoke about it, one of the things I told him, one, it has to look big enough to carry 250,000 crew. And second, it has to be fast enough to make it out of the universe. So yeah. that's, what, that, that's, 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 what it, that's what it looks like. I think he was like, I need a hot rod in space is what he was thinking. Yeah, he's awesome. That was great. Uh, how many how many pages are we looking at this story, and how far do you plan on going with this story? Um, the first issue is going to be twenty four pages. Um, the second issue, as well as twenty four pages. Um, I don't want to give an exact issue count. It's a little bit has to yeah. do with how successful we're going to be on this. That's fair. There, there's an end goal, like I said, in mind where I know how all the story ends, um, but how long it takes for we for us to get there it depends on kind of how successful we are. Uh, the nice thing about the story is that, in in, in reality, I can get to the end any time I want. Okay. Um, anytime I want. I mean, there's no. I, I don't have any like a like a, a map, like a universal map where it's like this is where they are. You know, the universe is as big as I want it to be, and we'll get there as fast as I want it to be. Um, if it does well, there's a lot of story I want to tell, a lot of ideas I want to share, and a lot of characters I want to develop. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could take some time. If it is a little less successful, a lot of the stories will get will get wrapped up a lot quicker. We're looking at a shorter series. Yeah, I'll just put it that way. Your other gig is as a teacher. Do you share your comic books with your, your students at all? Uh, they give no. Them? Okay, because kids can be brutal with the feedback. <laughs> That's scary. Oh, <laughs> oh no, I'm not worried about the feedback. But um, there's it, the school has an issue with uh, confidentiality and um, like the boundary thing. The the idea would be that'd be um, an issue with boundaries. So the kids would you're not supposed to be technically sell. You don't want to sell the kids or give oh, them too much information of your life outside the school. That'd be the problem. However, 
I do bring comic books into the classroom and I've had oh, kids create their comic books in class. And I've, I've done that. That is such a cool idea. I haven't heard of that before. What in comic books do you think kids can uh, find knowledgeable or, or grow, grow themselves? Um, a lot of what I like doing is, have, is, the, is the writing of it and is the way of thinking about when, when you think about a panel or a page in that moment, it gives it changes how you think about things. It is, and it gives them a chance to it, what you would do in a paragraph in a short story. You can visually show it, and then with a couple of times describe what you're seeing. It makes it a little easier for that transition and how to describe imagery, things of that nature. And also gives a lot of focus on dialogue. What can you say in dialogue that you where you may not need the imagery for, or what can you say with imagery where you won't need dialogue? And get them thinking about what you know what matters. You know, when do you need imagery? When you need um, the uh, dialogue in your stories? It gives a chance to kind of um, develop characters a little bit more like that. That's, that's something because they're drawing it and it's a short span of time. It makes it a little easier to see than a short story where it can be a little, the paragraph itself is a little intimidating sometimes. So in a comic yeah. book, it makes it a little easier for them. It's almost like adding a layer of problem solving on top of writing. Yes. Trying to figure out where to balance dialogue and explanation and stuff. Interesting. Um, okay, so I, we got to get people headed in the right direction here. We have the notification page, which will be linked below. When can we get that first issue? When can we get the Kickstarter starting for um, the end of all Terminus? All right, well, the notification page is up. Click notify people. Help me out. Anyways, yeah. um, the Kickstarter itself is going to launch March 14th. The live show begins at 7 p.m. Eastern time on Instagram. Uh, eight o'clock is going to be when I actually click launch and assuming everything goes well, eight o'clock is when it launches. Yeah. And it's going to be 30 days. So you got 30 days to, um, shower me with, um, your love and money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> love equals money, it. folks. We know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, as every indie creator is, uh, money is good for us. Yeah. I, I gotta say, guys, I've seen these live events before. They are a blast to be a part of. Uh, a lot of times you get to see other indie creators as well share their work, and it's a really cool way to kind of just be introduced to the community, which, you know, you're a deep part of, and so you could actually see kind of behind the curtains a little bit on, on this community that's so um, so cool. Uh, please at least click the notification button. Again, you don't have to buy anything right now. Just click the notification, and it'll help get those uh, the, the visibility of the end-all terminus to everybody. Uh, Jeff, I appreciate you coming on today, man. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys. Again, right now, before I finish talking, go down in the description, click, 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 and let's get this going. Uh, and then we'll also have a link to everything else that Jeff has, and especially that Twitter account, guys. Got to go follow it and see some uh, 7 of 9. Just get 7 of 9. Oh, my God. Anyways, <laughs> I, have some, I, I, I have a wish list. I tried. I tried. <laughs> uh, I, believe it or not, I tried. Um, you'd, be, you'd be amazed how many um, emails I've gone out there to people. Um, <laughs> Checking and a couple of them, you'd be surprised how much of them are asking for huge sums of money. I had one actor actually ask for five to fifty thousand dollars to be on my show. Oh goodness, yeah. <laughs> that one didn't happen. Jerry, Jerry Ryan's over there, like, oh my, Jeff again. <laughs> 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 All right, guys, make sure you get that notification, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>